listen to Christmas music in your cars this time of year. And then uh, right after Christmas, right, aren't you just offended when they play it at any moment after that? Oh, it's just kind of funny. Um, today, like uh, Brad said, we're going to talk a lot about volunteers and about people who, who serve and that we need to take time to say thank you. Uh, a lot of what we do here uh, doesn't happen without the, the help of people who are willing to serve, who are willing to uh, kind of put themselves on the front line and be a part of what we're doing. Uh, today, uh, for people that serve with me, uh, I need to recognize two people today, and I'm going to ask uh, Ed and April if you guys would come on up here today. Uh, Ed, Ed and April Lemming, yeah, you got to come up here. Take your time. We've got plenty of it. Nobody's got anywhere to be. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Ed and April have uh, served on our leadership uh, for uh, for the past past five years, and uh, we have these uh, awards that we that we give them, or um, just tokens of our appreciation that weigh about 10 pounds. Um, and if they're ever used in murder scenes, um, you know exactly where they came from. But we appreciate you guys, and just thank you so much for serving as a part of our leadership uh, that time. Uh, we, we, we have, I uh, just want to let you know of our, our current leaders. Uh, there's four current leaders right now. Obviously, Ed and April have both served five years. Uh, Jason has served seven years. And uh, Jennifer, who's running our sound today, she has served for three years. And what we do, uh, we didn't do this last year because of, because of COVID years. But what we do is um, every year we go through a process where we affirm our current leaders. And we also confirm some new leaders. And this, uh, for 2022, we're very excited that we have three uh, people that we are looking to add to our leadership, and they are Monty Salter, who was at first service, I believe, um, and then Matt Barker, who runs all of our tech stuff. So all everything you see online, if you ever watch our services online, he runs all of that. And then Emily Bell, who is sitting uh, back there, back there today. Uh, what we do is we do uh, in, in the next week. Um, we're going to send out. We'll make sure you have all this information. I promise. But we do a survey monkey where all of our members get to get to vote and get to kind of share that on the 12th and the 19th. And we will give you an opportunity to be a part of that. But we also want you to know that if there's um, something maybe with with these leaders that you say, hey, we feel like this disqualifies them to lead. We want to just be very open and transparent. If there's something, um, you know, that, that you say, hey, we really don't feel like this person would be a great leader for our church. Uh, there is a place on the survey that you can make some comments or you can come and come and talk to me. And we'll make sure that happens. If you have just really, really good stories that would embarrass them, please come and tell me because those are great for the confirmation uh, confirmation Sunday. I would like to point out, if you go back to the previous uh, previous one there, if you notice Ed and Jason, I mean, look at my care and how happy and rested they look, you know. And now look at them. I mean, really, it's uh, terrible. And then I noticed, you know, with the next one with Matt, we just kind of, you know, pre-stressed him so that now he he doesn't even have to worry uh, worry about that. But uh, but these are people that serve uh, in incredible ways at our church. And um, we, we wanted to recognize these two who have hit milestones in leadership. But if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to talk to us. This is a very open and transparent process that we go through when we talk about leaders. Um, I do want to make you aware of one announcement. This is the first time we've, we've ever done this, uh, you know, by choice, shall we say. On December 26th, we are going to be having an online-only Sunday. I remember we're going to talk, we'll remind you at the end of the service, on December 23rd, we're having our Christmas Eve-ish service. But on Sunday, the day following Christmas, uh, people are with their families. Um, it's, it's just a moment where we need to be together. And so we thought, you know, this year we have the technology to do it. We'll make sure to send out all the links. That's going to be an online-only Sunday um, so that you can just enjoy time 
uh, with, your, with your families. You can watch church in your PJs. Uh, you know, can have some hot chocolate. You can even watch it later. But we will still live stream it on the 26th, and we hope that you'll put that on your calendar just to let you know to, uh, to be a part of that there as well. Let's get started with our series today. almost nine-year-old daughter put this from our nativity scene at home on my Bible today to just remind me, if you were here last week, you'll know exactly what this means, right? Because uh, one of the things that I shared last week was if your nativity scene at home, if you have one, and it does not include a camel, then Jesus is not accepted. And um, it's not a true, na- true nativity scene. Um, the Dormans, where you guys, <laughs> they, I got some hateful texts from these people that said that their kids went around their house with every nativity scene criticizing that they weren't real because they weren't camels. And I encourage both your kids to hide all the nativity things, like in the fridge, freezer, the garage, I mean, wherever. Here you go, baby, you can have this bag. But uh, make sure you have camels in your nativity scenes, otherwise they're not real. Um, Today we're talking about this. This is going to be a three-week series that we do called Christ the Savior is Born. And these, of course, are words uh, from the song Silent Night. It's one of the lines in in the song, Silent Night, a, a well-beloved and, and well-sung song um, that we have all experienced in some way as well. The reality is this. If we look at these three words or these three concepts, Christ, Savior, and birth, I want you to know that this line is a contradiction. These things should not exist in the same sentence because they confuse each other. They collide with each other, and we're going to talk about that, and yet the person who writes Silent Night deliberately puts these words in this order so that we will hopefully learn something. And what we're going to do over the next three weeks is talk about each of these three concepts um, as a part of what does that really mean and how does that, how does that inform what we truly believe about Christmas. So today we're going to say, what does the word Christ really mean? It's one that we hear in churches our whole lives, and sometimes it's confusing when you're young and in church because, you know, we have lots of different names for Jesus, right? We have Jesus and Lord, and we have, you know, um, Messiah and Christ and King and Emmanuel. We have all these names that, that which, one, which one is it? And one of those names in the midst of that is the word Christ. If you read the Old Testament, you know that the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, are waiting for a Messiah or waiting for a new king is what that really means. It's just a fancy word that means they're waiting for a new king. In Greek, it's the word Christos. They're waiting for the next king, the one who is going to make all things right. Now, there's some interesting distinctions between these words, and I want us to talk about them today because they really are powerful. And when you see them, you're like, wow, I've never heard that before, but hopefully that makes sense. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title and purpose. The name of Jesus is Yeshua. It's the same as the name Joshua in the Old Testament, but languages change from Hebrew to Greek, and so, so some of the names have changed. It's like looking up your last names. If you've ever got on you know, Ancestry.com, the names sort of morph and change over time. And the reality is Jesus is his actual first name. Now, Christ is not his surname, which sometimes we think it might be, but that really is a title and a purpose. And, and for us who are non-Jews, who live a great time later, the meaning of that word is somewhat lost on us. Because 
the title of being not only Jesus, but being Jesus Christ is powerful. If you read the Old Testament, and you can Google this, about prophecies about the Christ. If you just get on Google, Old Testament prophecies about, there are hundreds of them. And Google will tell you all of them. I'm just going to read a few of them just so that you kind of see. Because the Jews are waiting in anticipation for this one who will ultimately redeem and save Israel. But in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Emmanuel. We know the word Emmanuel means God with us, God among us, God as a part of us, God doing life with us. One of, the, one of these is there's going to be this miraculous birth, and that's going to yield a child, and that child's going to represent God's presence in the midst of us. Or even in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, when, when, when the writer talks about where this will happen, the, the name of Bethlehem, but you, Bethlehem, even though you're small among all the clans of Judah, out of you will come the one who will be the ruler of Israel. Bethlehem has significance. And obviously, even if you read the Old Testament and you know the story of David and others, it's not always just one person that does all these things, but Jesus is the only one that does all of them. In Hosea 11 and verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. If you know the story of Jesus, after he is born, King Herod wants to kill all the babies, right? It's the same story that we see with the Pharaoh and Moses. And so Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they flee to Egypt. Egypt has a significant uh, part of Israel's story. Remember, that's the place where they are slaves and they are led to freedom. And so it says the Messiah, the king, will, will literally come out of Egypt. And we know that that is a part of the story of Jesus, that, that he comes out of Egypt. If you read scripture, you see that Jesus fulfills prophecy. And even when his ministry begins, he tells people that he is the fulfillment of many of these prophecies. You see, Jesus is just Jesus for the first 30 years of his life. But the last three is when he becomes the Messiah, when he becomes the Christ. Now, I'm going to look at three different stories or what I call three confessions. Confession doesn't mean bad things. It just means people who proclaim something uh, true. They proclaim something usually about themselves or something about God that is true. There are three different times. There's many more actually in Scripture. But I'm going to just pick out three that, that Jesus is kind of put into that place of being the Messiah, being the Christ. The first one is by Peter, the disciple. Now, we all love Peter, don't we? We're all the most like Peter. A lot of us identify with Peter because Peter's kind of, let's be honest, he's kind of the village idiot of the disciples. Right? He's always saying the wrong things. He's never doing what he should do. He's always, he's always over-speaking his bounds or not speaking up when he should. And so we love Peter, and, but Peter is the most infuriating disciple at times as well. But Jesus gathers his disciples around him. And in Matthew 16, we pick up the story that he goes to them and he says, Who do people say that I am? I don't know. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say, well, maybe you're like a prophet, like Jeremiah or, or one of the others. And they name off a bunch of names. And Jesus says, yeah, but who do you think I am? Oh, and it's Simon Peter. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Jesus commends him. Of course, the story goes on, and then Simon immediately puts his foot in his mouth because that's what he does. But in this moment, he fully concludes and identifies who Jesus is. You are the one we have been waiting for. What about the woman at the well? This is the John 4 story. You know, Jesus and his disciples are traveling. They stop at Samaria, and it's about it's about lunchtime, and the disciples go into town, and Jesus sits down by a well, and a woman comes and sits with him, and he begins to talk with her, something that was not done, because not only is he a Jewish man, and she is a Gentile, even worse, a Samaritan woman, but he talks to her, and that was not done in that time. He asks her for a drink of water, and they have this very interesting dialogue because she is an outcast in her community. And then Jesus has this dialogue back and forth with her and kind of talks about, hey, you know, go and call your husband. And she says, well, I'm not married, but I've had five husbands and all this kind of stuff. And they go through it. And then she asks him a question about worship. You know, are we going to worship here or Jerusalem or what's really going on? And they have this dialogue about some deeply theological things. And And then this woman proclaims to Jesus and says, I know that the Messiah one called the Christ, is going to come into the world. And when he comes into the world, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I, the one you are speaking with, I am he. I'm the Messiah. Jesus proclaims to this outcasted woman that he is the one that they have been waiting for. Another story, if you jump forward about seven chapters to John 11, you have the story of Martha. She is a believer. Her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus Remember, Lazarus has just died, and Jesus is good friends with them, but he doesn't go when Lazarus dies. He waits four whole days, and it's, it's an excruciating story. And Martha, who is the type A personality, a little OCD, she's going to speak her mind to Jesus. And she walks out to Jesus, and she's, she just really just lays it, out, lays it on thick and says, you weren't here, and my brother died. And Jesus responds to her and says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, yes, I know. In the resurrection, he will, he will rise again. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die, they will live. She says, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. She makes a proclamation about who Jesus is. That he's not just a prophet, but he is the one they have been waiting for. You know, for all of us in our lives, we have to get to the same conclusion. We live our lives, and maybe even we're we're people who, who believe in something. But it is only when we confess that he is the Messiah that that things really change. You see, I think a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Christ. They don't know that he is is God. The way to say it is the difference between a follower and a disciple, in my opinion, is the difference between Jesus and Jesus Christ. Now, don't get lost in semantics. If your kids come to you and say, well, I love Jesus, don't be like, well, she didn't say Christ, so it doesn't count. That's not what that means. What that means is you can know a person, a good person, Jesus, even, even a person who did some miraculous things, that's Jesus. But it's only when he is the son of God and he becomes the Christ for us in our lives. We are not just believers in Jesus. 
We are believers in Jesus Christ. There's a difference between those two things. And the way that they are enacted in our lives is different. Because one is about a good person. The other one is about submission to God. You see, belief is acknowledging that Jesus lives, but faith is saying that he is God. I think we live in a world at a time, and and I want to tell you, I struggle with this. Sometimes I'm like, am I just living like I believe that Jesus lived, that that he was a good fella? Or am I living that he is God and that I get to be a part of that story? Is this one of those I believe in Jesus weeks, or is this one of those faith weeks where Jesus is the Christ? That's why when we celebrate this time of year, we don't just celebrate Jesus. We, ce- we celebrate Jesus, the Christ. That changes it a little bit. It makes it, it powerful because Jesus being the Christ changes everything. That's why when we say Christ, the Savior, is born, it doesn't say Jesus, the Savior, is born. It says Christ, the Savior, is born. And as we go through this, you're going to see how some of those terms are actually in conflict with each other. They should not exist in one place. But when they do, the presence of God emerges. And maybe we see something in ways that we never have before. And so we don't just celebrate Jesus. We don't just celebrate a story. We celebrate that he is the Christ. And that's a transition that every one of us has to go through in our own faith. A lot of people believe in Jesus. In fact, based on recent polls, and I don't know what the numbers are what, what the percentages are. Most people in the U.S. believe in Jesus. But only a few is he the Christ. And I think what, we've, what, we, what we have is we have a lot of people who, who believe Jesus was a good guy and that he lived, but they've never transitioned to Jesus being God of their lives. Our behavior is different when he is the Christ for us and not just a nice guy who did some good things. That's why this is so important. That's why this matters. Look, we know Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th. I know every year I say that and people are shocked. It used to be a pagan holiday. You can read up on it. Google tells you everything you need to know. But it was, it was adopted as a Christian holiday when Constantine was emperor. Don't get me going into the history because half of you will be asleep before I even finish the story. We know he was probably born around March. But we celebrate this time because because the conflict of who Jesus is and how he made his way into the world, it matters. And how we engage in that story, it matters. It changes things. And if Jesus is just Jesus, that's one thing. But when he becomes your Christ, that's different. You know, April uh, is here somewhere down there. She yells at me a lot, a lot, I mean like a lot, a lot, a lot. You get that too, Brad, all the time? I didn't know she knew some of those words, actually. I was really quite shocked. We're going to pray for April today. <laughs> um, April reminds me, one of, the, one of the things that we need to, that we always want to do, is we always want people to have a moment to be prayed over, to be prayed for. You know, this is a time of year that's joyous and happy, but not for everybody. Some people, this is the first year that you've lost a loved one. Or maybe your family dynamics are, are challenging at best. Maybe when you think about Christmas dinner, you don't think about it with joy. You think about it with dread. 
Or maybe you're not sure if you're going to make it, if this will be your last Christmas, if you'll have another one. Or who won't be at the table next year. Maybe it is a time of joy and celebration. Maybe it's an opportunity to lay down a bad year and take up a good one. But we always want to offer people opportunities to be prayed for. Maybe you're about to go in for a procedure because it's December and you met your deductible, so everybody's having surgery right now, right? That's how it works. Maybe you're nervous about that. Whatever is in your life, you get to bring it not only to Jesus today, you get to bring it to Jesus Christ, the one who is God. We'll have some people up here that are happy to pray with you for whatever's going on in your life, even if it's a phrase or a celebration or something that you've come to. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a couple worship songs. Just make your way up here and people will be available to pray with you and for you. So Father, today, thank you that we can have some laughs together. Thank you that we can share in this time of year. We pray that you would overwhelm us with a great sense of joy. Father, that you would be in our midst. Father, may we not lose sight of what this season is all about. Maybe, maybe our story starts again with you. Over the last couple of years, we've, we've been overrun with excuses or reasons. But God, we, we know that we need you. We need your presence. We need you to be a part with us. So Father, today we just pray that as we as we worship, as we sing, may the power of who you are and the purpose and title that you possess overwhelm us and work in us and through us. May we not just see you as Jesus, but may we know you as Christ. Please bless us as we go into the season. Help us to see you clearly. Thank you for all of our volunteers, for those who serve tirelessly behind the scenes, who work hard to make this place successful so that we can reveal your presence to a world that needs it. We thank you for those who serve, and we thank you that we follow your example and how you served us. We pray and offer this all in Jesus' name. And the church together.